You're listening to Driving Law, a podcast by Kyla Lee about all things related to the rules of the road. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Driving Law. I am Kyla Lee, and with me, yet again my co-hostess with the mostest, Paul Doroshenko. Hello. Hi. So, it's been a week. It's midsummer, midsummer pandemic driving law. I mean, honestly, it kind of feels like it's been a month since we recorded a podcast. I don't know why. Yeah, I, it's just the uh, days are dragging out a little bit. I had learned lots of things happen too at the same time. So moments of things moving quickly and then and slower then. today. Yeah. But one great thing that happened this week, finally, the reopening of traffic court. Yeah. And you were, um, you were, uh, like one of the first people there, the very first traffic court day when they had no signage, no indication of where you could park, no indication of where, <laughs> what the, building, it, what was building it was in. Yeah. No so I went, I went to Kwantlen University, the Surrey campus where they were holding traffic court. It's supposed to be room 1205. I There's follow my Google multiple Maps Multiple buildings. Yeah, I show up. With and, multiple rooms. Yeah, it's more than one building. Okay. Well, maybe, I look on the directory, maybe only one building has room 1205. Nope. Three of the four buildings room 1205, so that was confusing. Um, I eventually figured it out because I found a sheriff parking his car, and I was like, where is traffic court? I'm surprised the sheriff knew. Yeah. 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 I mean. Because it was I, like 830. Yeah. So they were just getting there I know. for Monday you're, morning traffic court. Keen are always there early. Yours probably wasn't till 10. It wasn't till 10, but I had a hearing at 9.30, so. You wanted to talk to the police officer beforehand. Yeah. So. And it's a pandemic. Then I do my IRP hearing. I get out of the car. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go into the building. And I go, the door's locked. What the hell? What is going on? There's a number for security. I phone security. I'm like, can you let me in? I've got traffic court. And they're like, oh no, it's it's around the corner. And they had like two signs, one that pointed at the door I was at, and then one around the corner from the sign. So you could barely see where traffic court was. If they don't put up good signage, they're going to have a problem with people with deemed convictions. Um, I mean, the notifications are already difficult enough. Yeah. I mean, it's confusing for people because they expect to be going to the courthouse and instead they're directed to a school. But I still think it's better than the courthouse right now, pandemic wise. Oh, I mean, Vancouver provincial court traffic is uh, like that building is just not designed to be able to deal with it. I think you could maybe manage if you took over the whole courthouse in Port Coquitlam. You might be able to space people out, but... But how do you discuss with the officer? There's no... No, I know you, you know, need the a, interview rooms or you need a you need a plexiglass shield table that you can have the officer on one side and you on the other. <laughs> um, I figure you know they could use youth court area of Robson because that's all big and open and spacious. Yeah, and there's room for discussion in spacious ways. One thinks though that they probably still have some youth court. I mean, youth court is never trials, right? Youth court is always youth court. Yeah, yeah, youth court is uh, is. Uh, guilty pleas and uh, what's going on with this matter. We do trials. I just, no weird and wacky Wednesdays a couple weeks ago was a trial decision from youth court. It's infrequent. Anyway, so I show up to traffic court and this is the ridiculous part that really got me. 
So right now the sheriffs are asking screening questions before they let you in the building. And I walked up and they start asking me the questions. Do you have a new cough or a fever? No. Um, have you been in contact with anybody who's a confirmed case of COVID-19? No. Have you traveled outside Canada in the last 14 days? No. How would I? <laughs> um, yeah. And then the last question was, are you experiencing any symptoms of COVID-19? And then they ask you about crazy shit, like, you know, fever, cough, sore throat, runny nose. I get that. Shouldn't be going to court if you have any of those. But then they ask about muscle aches and fatigue. The thing well, is, I have a cough all of the time because of A, heartburn, well, and B, this time of the year. They like, ask about a new cough. Okay. But I have muscle pain and fatigue muscle pain most and fatigue. of the time. Find me a lawyer who doesn't experience muscle pain and fatigue every day. Yeah, I probably didn't until I was uh, like 37. I so I didn't had a until short, I was a lawyer. <laughs> I had a, a few short years where I didn't experience muscle pain and fatigue every day. Anyway, so I answered, yeah, I got muscle pain. Because yeah. I figured, you know, it's with muscle one pain, symptom, you guys. Yeah. they're not going to let me, like, keep me out. So did, a, like, a large plastic cone come down over top of you? or Basically, they're like, oh, you got to wait here. i got to check with the others. Went inside. Oh, my goodness. And I'm standing out We're there. We're months anyway. into this. We I all know. know like... I know. And I come back. I'm like, look, I had it. I get flare-ups of symptoms. I'm not contagious. I, I don't have... COVID-19, I just had a negative test a couple weeks ago. Like, I promise you, this is nothing. We've had a few people in the office, when they've had sniffles, have gone for tests and everybody's come negative. Yeah. Anyway, the, 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 they wouldn't let me in the building. Thankfully, they did uh, allow me to make my application for my ticket to be dismissed for want of prosecution because the officer never showed up from outside the building. And the JJP granted it on the inside. So how did they, like, you called out and the sheriff called out and re repeated what you said? No, the sheriff went in the courtroom like and said, counsel's thing? here, the officer's not. Counsel can't come into the building. Good. <laughs> she wants the ticket dismissed. So basically, if you show up at traffic court and you've got a traffic court hearing and you've got any symptom, is this going to get adjourned? Is that what you're telling me? Well, or if the officer's not there, they may just dismiss it for want of prosecution as long as you're at the building. Like, that's the sense I got was that it would either be an adjournment or a dismissal. Or I told them, like, if the officer shows up, send him to me. I'll talk to him outside. I'll make a deal and he can go in and speak to it. Yeah. So you could do that. But yeah, like, I mean, imagine the idea that you have to, if you want to get in the building, be dishonest about something that basically everybody over 30 experiences. And if you don't want to get into the building, all you have to do is be honest about the fact, yeah, I've got body aches. Yeah. Yeah. Know. Well, I've had a head, I have a headache most days. You're automatic out from traffic court. If oh. the officer's like, I'm going to run a trial. Oh, you know what? I'm feeling kind of hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was once a case that... Don't do that, folks. There was a case... I know it'll happen. That I saw it. in traffic court where the guy had said that he was too sick to come to traffic court. Um, he said he was in the hospital and he left the hospital and he shows the officer his hospital bracelet that he's not wearing. Yeah. Just got it in his hand. And the officer's really skeptical about it. Applies for an adjournment. The uh, He doesn't even go into the courtroom. Somebody else goes into the courtroom, says he's sick and in the hospital, applies for the adjournment. It's denied. Yeah. Who knows why. Um, and then the uh, the guy appears 
with magically, his hospital yeah. magically from his car in the parking lot. Yeah. Um, with his hospital bracelet and says, look, I'm, I'm not well. And they do the trial with him there. And he's like dry heaving into the garbage can the whole time. And maybe he's faking it. Probably he was faking it. It kind of seemed like he was faking it. But now, can you imagine if yeah. they did that? Yeah. Well, times have changed. <laughs> now, oh, my neck is a little bit sore. Do not enter the building, council. Mm. Well, I'm surprised. So what you're telling me is in uh, BC Provincial Court, they've taken judicial notice of the fact that there's a... Uh, pandemic? A pandemic. Well, that's yeah. handy. Yeah. yeah. Good. I would... I would say that that's probably something that's the subject of judicial notice. Yeah, good. So, the second time I went to traffic court, I'm older, I'm wiser. You've, I've taken a lot of Tylenol, so my neck doesn't hurt. <laughs> that morning, like, popping the pills. experienced it, yeah. Uh, like, I'm not going to be in pain when I go there. Um, if you had a fever, you wouldn't feel it. Exactly. I wouldn't even have a fever anymore. Because Tylenol would have it under control. <laughs> so, no. Um, I felt fine the next day. It was honestly just like I'd slept funny because I got a bunch of calls in the middle of the night because that's the life of a criminal lawyer. Um, that's the day you're on call. Yeah. It's the day after I was on call and, and I got a three o'clock in the morning jailhouse call. So, yeah. Yay. Okay. So, get there. I go through the whole process and this time... They ask me, you know, do you have any symptoms of COVID-19 before they start listing them? I'm just like, no. And he's like, well, and I'm like, I've already had it. I know what the symptoms are. And the sheriff looks at me, his eyes bug out from his head behind his mask. Yeah. All I can see is these bugged out eyes. He's like, you've had it? And I was like, yeah, back in March. He's like, oh, I don't know if I can let you in. Oh, my like, God. Oh, my God. Here we go again. I had it in March. It's like a 14-day disease. Clearly, I am not quarantined right now, dude. But I just stand there. I'm like, well, you got to be freaking kidding me. Um, guy goes and talks to his sergeant and says, oh, yeah, you know, she's she's had COVID. Can I let her in? And thankfully, the sergeant said, yeah, so have I. She's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, considering how many people are estimated to have had it, according to a recent study, the odds are... You probably have had it. Well, it's possible. Um, you know, I've been tested and I don't have the antibodies, at least on that test that was sent to you by somebody who follows you on Twitter. I still Twitter. haven't been brave enough I to poked, try to pick myself I, again. I poked my hand like in 12 different spots and got oh, lots of blood. I had it was blood, so hard. I had blood bleeding all over. I yeah, poked myself by mistake on my second time. How do you bleed so well? I don't know. Anyway, I got lots of blood and I came up and said that I have no antibodies. So maybe I haven't had it. Or maybe you've had it and you've lost the antibodies. That it's could not be. entirely clear. That could be. But we also, at this point, I mean, we're months into it. You'd think the sheriffs would know, would know, like, if you've had it back in March, you're not a threat it's anymore. Or at least July. you're, you're a, a lower probability of a threat. I've, I've, had, I've had three negative tests since then. Yeah. Not one, not two, but three. There you go. Um, so I definitely don't still have it. Well, who knows? I mean, maybe you do have it. Maybe you got it today. I mean, that's the point of COVID, right? We have to, it's the incubation period and that's the problem. But the likelihood of you having it is slim enough under those circumstances. You think they would know. You would think. But not to ask the question like that to you. So I got to go in. 
Good. Would you and... like to hear what new traffic court is like? Sure. Tell me all about it. So once you're admitted into the building, there is a very large space where chairs are spread out, one chair every six feet in a row of four, and then six feet behind another row of four, six feet apart. It's weird. And they give you a sign that says, do not sit here, social distancing. Because when you get up from your chair, you have to put the sign down so they can sanitize the chair before the next person uses it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. They're not doing that at any restaurants. Nope. You are required to wear a mask, even though the provincial court directive is masks are strongly recommended and encouraged. The sheriffs are requiring people to mask up, which is fine. My lawyer told me not to talk to you mask. Stylish. Yep. I'm only, the problem is I'm too far from the JJPs for them to fully appreciate the awesomeness of my mask. Yeah, I don't know that I'm happy about the message for in court. Is it appropriate in court? I guess nobody's going to care here, but you never know. I mean, some people have a stick up there, you know. If people don't have a sense of humor, Paul, there's nothing that we can do to save them. Well, we've tried. We have tried. We can only bring humor and joy to so many. <laughs> so, so then you wait. And the sheriffs call you when your matter's ready to be heard by the JJP. But what they were telling me was that they were bored. Because in Kits, at Kitsilano Secondary School, they had four traffic court rooms running at the same time. Wow. Which is insane. All day. Yeah. 9 a.m. is the first session, all the way to 4.30 p.m. That's a lot of sheriff hours. Yeah. And there were two sheriffs at the check-in counter, two sheriffs standing to the side, and one sheriff doing screening at the door. Yeah. Were they distancing? uh, No. From each other? No, of course not. No. Um, So once your batter's ready to be heard, you get shuffled on in there. And there are two tables, one on either side of the room. And it's like a normal size classroom for students, so it's really far apart. There's a microphone on each. So you go to your, your table. Then they sanitize your table after you leave, probably. Probably, yeah. I didn't see that part. Oh and my then the gosh. JJP's at the farthest end of the room, so like you're at the back of the classroom, and there where the chalkboards are, and you're making your submissions basically by shouting across the room. So there's no witness box. You're just no. testifying from the table. I'm I sure guess. everybody's testifying from the table. I don't even know how you would conduct a cross examination because you can't even see the other person's face because you're standing parallel to them, and they're across the room. Yeah, I mean, I, you want to just turn and look at them, I guess, and I don't know. So the original Weird. intention had been for if people wanted to do trials, they would just hold all the trials to the end of the day. So then you'd be sitting in that weird, distant set of chairs awaiting your fate. But the JJPs are so bored because they have so little to do because it's one person, you know, and the sessions are reduced. So there's like maybe five people per half hour session. Well, that's five people in a half hour. I mean, yeah, but that's five people scheduled in a half hour. How many actually show up? Some people don't show up. Yeah. Yeah. And the officers don't show up. Yeah. Well, the officers will learn where it is. I mean, they just, they've got the same problem as you probably. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So it's very, uh, it's very interesting, but I succeeded on all three of my traffic tickets. So I am a happy camper. There you go. What, uh, what about self-represented people? Did you see any there? Yeah, lots. Yeah? Yep. I heard a story from an officer who I saw who I hadn't seen in a while. 
who talked to me from his car while we remained more than distance feet apart. Yeah. Um, and he told me about a self-represented individual who went to trial on a cell phone ticket. And he said, you know, the one thing that I was really upset about is we're, it's not everybody there. And ordinarily what I would do is I would tell that guy, go talk to her. She can help you. Yeah. I'm like, now I'm not there to help people. Well, it was a year ago that we did the traffic court duty council thing. And that was a fairly useful exercise for us because we would just go into the courtroom. It was Usually we had to be there for something else, but we would also just call out, okay, free lawyer here, advice. free legal advice. So we can talk to you if you need it. And there was a few times that I had people like I had a lineup of 20 people at uh, um, in Vancouver mm-hmm. uh, on cell phone ticket day. But, um, you know, for the most part, I ended up resolving a number of files for people by going and talking to the officer, and which was, I know we weren't going to do that, but I ended up doing it. Um, got a lot of people through, and some people, I advised them, you know, run a trial on this. Yep. Go ahead. Uh, but the, um, of course, you need to be able to talk to them to do that, and officers often do just what you say. All the when, time. When you or I are there, yeah. they'll say, you know what, you can go talk to Mr. Doroshenko over there, you'll... He might be able to give you some advice about this, and I usually will explain it. And It'd be like at least once a week that an officer would pull me aside and go, hey, Kyla, can you just talk to this can dude? Can you talk to this yeah. guy? This is what I'm proposing. I don't think he understands why it's in his best interest. And then I, you know, go and I let them sort understand. And, you know, the wheels of justice turn better. So it's unfortunate that the system is set up in such a way that now these self-represented people who would ordinarily get the legal advice from me or you yeah don't have that same opportunity you know and they're not going to see me in the parking lot and go oh go talk to that lawyer out in the parking lot yeah you know um and the other thing i missed which i've been missing for a long time traffic court really is a place that is a happy place for me it's like social yeah i know it's the social aspect of it you know, I got to see... Uh, All the police officers that you are your pals. Yeah. Um, they're your pals when they, you know, sometimes they're your pals when you're there with a ticket with them, but they're almost always just your pal when you're there without a ticket with they're them. They're usually my friends more when I don't have a ticket That's with them. true. <laughs> I always like talking to them. I, yeah. I'm just amazed that, like, there's officers who I've dealt with for years, and I get there, and I'm looking at them, and I'm like, I know your name, or I know your face. I know I'm supposed to know you. I've talked to you 25 times. I've, you know texted you at oh man uh, i had four o'clock on a saturday once to ask you a question I so the, the who are you again vancouver police department's social media liaison yes. constable holly christie was there mm. and uh i was on the far side of the parking lot and i saw her and i'm waving but i didn't realize i was wearing my sunglasses because it was bright and sunny yep. and my mask there's no idea who you are this, like faceless person just waving at her could be a police officer could be a prosecutor could be <laughs> could a be could be anybody <laughs> Hey, you gave me a ticket once. Yeah. She's like, I see her squinting. She figured it out as I got closer, obviously. Good. Yeah. Yeah, well, she would know the mask. Yeah. Well, she follows was, you on Twitter. That was the thing. She saw the mask and then yeah. she was like, oh, I thought that might be you. Well, day you should have given her one. <laughs> I didn't have an extra, but I need to start bringing them. Yeah, you should. To the sheriff's. <laughs> sure. Um, okay. So that was traffic court. So. Uh, I wanted to shift gears here and pick up on our discussion from last week. Because last week, remember, we talked about all these plans that David Eby might be implementing to just get rid of civil juries to deal with the 
the pandemic situation. You remember that? So it's all pandemic. This is, we have a pandemic theme going during the pandemic. Well, here's the problem, Paul. There really isn't much driving law-related news. I mean, I could tell you about what it's like doing civil chambers by telephone, because I tried to have a judicial review this week. I know. I've, and I I've, got bumped. Yes. There's been other lawyers have complained about this. And you have to sit on hold only to find out you're bumped and you can't do anything else. You, can't you have to sit and calls. listen to the, yeah. yeah, you can't conduct other hearings. You can't phone prosecutors. Right. You can't. At least if I'm sitting in the courtroom, I can duck out into the hallway and take a phone call. Access to justice. There's always these complaints and concerns about access to justice. And I get it. I understand. Uh, I'm concerned about access to justice. I find the number one thing is I think lawyers often charge too much money. Uh, but why do they charge that much money? They're sitting there on hold all day. They can only do one thing. Yeah. I mean, you're going to charge your client if you're doing a, a uh, if you're a, an hourly biller, we're not, but if you're an hourly biller, you're sitting there billing your client for the entire day. Well, there's your access to justice problem. I'm sorry, courthouse, BC Supreme Court, come up with a better way. Phone lawyers 10 minutes before they're supposed to be on. Honestly, it's not and, that hard. Yeah. Well, they've been doing it with me for, in provincial court. Or just, or just tell them, you have to be by your phone. It'll ring at some point during the day. You must answer the call. If you don't answer the call, you move to the bottom of the list. Well, yeah, that wouldn't That's be That's what they do in provincial great, court. But, but they, they texted me. I got text from the provincial court. Oh. Are you going to be ready in 10 minutes? Yes, I will. All right, we'll call you in 10 minutes. Well, that's convenient. Yeah, it was great. For me, for my telephone matters in provincial court, I just make sure I'm uh, my phone's available. Yeah. And if I have to call a client and the phone rings and it's the court, got to go, court's calling, I'll call you back. Well... The uh, system that they used for me this week was great. Texting me 10 minutes before. Beautiful. That's that's fantastic. And it's not hard. No. You can literally text with an app on a computer. Well, the, the court can buy a, one can cell, buy phone a cell phone to text yeah. to counsel. I mean, yeah. for one cell phone per room to send text messages. Also, like, texting counsel. It's not like counsel's going to start texting, texting you court. back. Yeah. <laughs> Dear court. I was thinking the other day about a green truck I had when I was 17 and other uh, things that you text me randomly. <laughs> I never had a green truck when I was 17. I'm just making so fun of you. You're just making things up now. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you make me so, look bad, just like your tweet. What tweet? Your your, your uh, Taylor Swift uh, tweet, and I lost 20 followers because of your Taylor Swift tweet. You didn't lose 20 followers because of my Taylor Swift tweet. You lost 20 followers because you responded referring to Beyonce as Bianca. Well, I didn't know the difference. You had mentioned Bianca. We were talking about Bianca. Well, no, we Binaca, were talking about Bianca breath spray. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't really know what a Beyonce is anyway. And, oh, I my mean, God. I saw now the... we're going to lose listeners for the podcast. Sorry. Beyonce. She's a, she's a musician, a singer. or a, She doesn't a necessarily play any yes. instrument, but yes. she sings. Okay, I got that now. She was in the second Austin Powers movie. I, I'm, I'm, and she was probably great. I mean, I've heard of her. Mm-hmm. It's like I'd heard of this Kanye West person too. I've mm-hmm. heard of him. I just didn't know anything about him. Kanye West is a very interesting character. I'm not team Kanye, but like a couple of years ago, he said, I'm going to be a billionaire. And he spouted off all these crazy ideas and drew this map that he posted on social media of all the things he wanted to do, clothing, furniture, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, this is just the ravings of a mad lunatic. And now he's doing it all. And he sells these shoes that are like a thousand dollars and people line up for days just to get a pair of the shoes. And then the resale value is like 10 times that. Yeezys. Fantastic. Good for him. Apparently you can be a lunatic and make it work. I have my own shoe designs. I have shoe designs. Well, there you go. 
buy my crazy shoes. <laughs> you should see the boots I've got these days. <laughs> okay. So we were talking about jury notice. Yes. And how they were looking at reforms that would eliminate jury notice. So here's a case, uh, Vacchiano and Chen, and I'm going to give props to Eric McGracken, who I did not contact to see if he wanted to be on the podcast about this, but I'm blatantly stealing from the BC Injury Law blog. So shout out to Eric. Thank you for your contribution. I'm sorry I didn't invite you on. I was not organized. Um, Vacchiano and Chen, the plaintiff, injured in a 2015 collision. Yes. So 2015. Five years ago. Five years ago. He's been waiting for justice. And his trial is scheduled for July 2020. And ICBC's like, damn you, we want a jury. Not his choice. July 2020. ICBC's choice. So all the jury selections are suspended now until September. Everywhere in the province. And probably will be suspended beyond that. Yeah. Um, And the reality would be for him that if his trial was adjourned... For it to go to jury trial, it'll be two years before he gets on again, based on the current wait times for a civil jury trial of that length. So they don't have a court date for him for two years. So he applies for the court to strike the jury notice and say, ICBC, you cannot have your jury. Screw you. It's the government. Yeah. And the, the jury should be protect to protect the little guy in this case. I know, and ICBC is like, no, we need the jury. It's so important in this case. Well, you know, the institutions get the same protection as uh, the individual. We know that with respect to privilege. I've never agreed with it, but anyway, what the heck. Very interesting decision from Master Muir, um, who said the rules were not formulated with a pandemic in mind, and they must be looked at in a purposive manner in the present circumstances. Yes, that makes perfect sense. Yes. And then he goes and talks about how the whole purpose of the rules is to promote just, speedy, and inexpensive determination of a proceeding on a merits, and a two-year adjournment is obviously not consistent with any of those things. Um, so uh, it's it's ridiculous, and the jury notice is struck, and they can proceed to trial on July 20th, which I bet ICBC has done nothing to prepare for, because I bet they were going, <laughs> no jury. Well, that's that's not that's not the decision, Kyla. But yes, I mean that does happen in counsel's office when you think that it's not going to proceed. Uh, no, no, I'm pretty sure ICBC, the corporation, went. <laughs> yeah, gave okay. a a an old railway mustache twirling, 1920s evil villain laugh. Okay. <laughs> 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 um, okay. Uh, what is it? Smeagol? Who's the who's the bad guy in uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle? There's there's a uh, Bor- Boris and Natasha. Oh, well, then that's not what the one I'm thinking of. Maybe um Dudley Do Right. Right, let's move on. Okay. I mean, come on, we're back to jury trial. So a master has done the right thing. Yes. I'm always glad to hear the court but do the right thing. I was thinking about this judgment. Which is also why I didn't have Eric on, because this judgment actually potentially has implications beyond the current way that it's being used. Because of that line that I read to you, the rules were not formulated with a pandemic in mind. They must be looked at in a purposive manner in the present circumstances. Think about all the places in all of the legislation there is in British Columbia that's ambiguous, where the legislation is 
silent on something? And how much judicial ink has been spilled over these silences? Like how many times have, um, uh, have these silences led to big court cases trying to determine whether or not the silent actually, silence actually grants the tribunal authority to do or not do something? And yeah. in particular, think about the limitation on bringing your application for review of your driving prohibition in seven days and the silence in the legislation on whether or not there's a discretion to extend. Oh, sure. The rules were not formulated with a pandemic in mind. This is true. This is true. But you would still have to be able to connect it to the pandemic, one would think. I don't know. I think you can say, like, from a purposive perspective, these rules don't make good sense anymore. And just like the court rules are designed to promote the fair, just, and expedient resolution of matters and adjudications of the cases on the merits, so too is the IRP scheme designed to be an expedient process that provides a summary avenue of redress for somebody who feels that they were wronged. Well, there is that ongoing problem that we found um, of um, getting all of the information together for people in the seven days and, and making sure that uh, everything is filed because they can't come into the office. Uh, they're uh, reluctant to take public transit, often because of health issues. They have, um, they a, don't shortage have a, a shortage of funds. They have a shortage of funds, a particular shortage of funds as a result of the fact that often they've lost their job because of the IRP and their employer was looking for a reason to lay them off anyway in the pandemic but didn't want to uh, have to pay them out. Mm -hmm. um, so there's been lots of different pandemic angles to that. That's true. But also think about all of Road Safety BC's own self-created policies like, we won't give you disclosure before you go down to ICBC and file your application for review and give us your $200. Maybe that rule wasn't designed with a pandemic in mind when it's actually unsafe for somebody to go down to ICBC, pay them $200, wait in line, sit there, expose themselves to everybody. 30 minutes for a hearing? Well, I don't see how that changes. Well, I mean, you can't, you might not be able to sit down with your client to go through the evidence to the degree that you would like to in an affidavit. You know, affidavits, we, we try and be very focused on the important key issues that are different in case to case. But, um, you know, you may want to uh, cross-examine your client um, and that takes longer than 30 minutes when you do it. Except for there's a prohibition on cross-examination, so you should probably direct examine your client. Well, I'm, it's my direct examination, but there's also doesn't say... It might say, be a cross-examination. It, it doesn't say that you can't cross-examine them in the, in the scheme for the purpose of getting to it. So there's nobody going to object to the questions that you put to your client. It's just going to be the value of it. But, I mean, there's a lot of it... It's going to be a weight. It goes to the weight, but a lot of it is... Um, just like leading questions can be asked indirect. But a lot of it is going to be things that you can do all leading questions because it's the same in every investigation. Sure. Um, I was pulled over. I rolled my window down. Think about the policy that prohibits uh, submitting any material after the time for the hearing has ended. <gasps> that too! Because can people get into their doctors? Are their <clears throat> doctors open? Can they access records that might be held somewhere else? Yeah. And think about sure. the fact... Well, we, we, I, have, I have dealt with that in an IRP context already. Think about the fact that there is technically no ability to reopen for fresh evidence once a decision has been rendered. Thank you, Court of Appeal on Molberg, for that, because there should have been. Um, and they used to accept it. 
and they used to accept that they could, and there's not exactly determinative language in the statute that says that they can't, and finality in administrative proceedings is different than finality in judicial proceedings. As you talk about all of this, Kyla, you mention it with optimism that I just don't see playing out. These are all good ideas, but They're bearing in mind... fantastic the... ideas, but none of them will be accepted by the superintendent, and then to judicially review their decision not accepting it, I can't get into court because You've there's a pandemic. And I'm sitting on hold. So I put my ideas out there with the hope that they, like tiny little idea butterflies, will flutter their way into people who might have some a thoughtful of law hurt. student might hear it and come some up with an angle. Some lawyer, some person at the superintendent of motor vehicles office who's just tired of injustice uh, yeah. and unfairness. <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's special pills for that, so they don't feel that. Out. <laughs> I don't know. My idea butterflies are are going the way of the actual butterflies. Yep. Pretty much extinct. Yeah. Um, anyway, nice ideas, Kyla. I'm always glad that you're so creative. Sometimes the ideas don't work. Thank you. One more driving law related case, also shamelessly ripped from the headlines of Eric McGracken's blog. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, there's not so a this, lot out there right this now. This podcast is just becoming the. Let's review Eric's blog without him here. Awesome blog. It is awesome. Yeah. And he's an awesome guy. Eric's awesome. Great guy. Why is Eric not a Queen Count, Queen's Council? Should be. Eric should have had a QC like years ago. No, his blog is, his blog, he's earned it with his blog, but he also like runs that office. He's, he's like the managing he, partner of McIsaac. When, when he, when he was the student in the office I was at, he was on top of the game. I mean, he was. A, and he's nice. He's nice, he's sweet, he's lovely, he's a balanced guy. He's the best. (laughs) So. Good lawyer, good guy. Interesting um, uh, case in his his blog. So when you have a personal injury claim and you're trying to claim your income loss, one of the problems that sort of resulted in this gigantic kerfuffle of numerous experts being required in court has been that to prove lost income, you typically have to call an economist who studied whatever field you work in to testify about the economic opportunities for you down the road and the way that your injuries have limited those economic opportunities. I find that really stupid. And the government, if they really wanted to have imposed something, in, they could have just come up with a schedule of some sort. Could have. But anyway. here's another way around having to call this expert. Um, in Reddy and in Oakson, he... Um, filed documents from Stats Canada to say, you know, here's what the average hourly wage of a person 15 years and older. And so here's, you know, based on hourly wages, what I would expect to earn over the course of my life based on these injuries. No expert, just public record documents from the government. And nobody opposed the admission of those documents? Oh, no, ICBC definitely opposed the admission of those documents, arguing that they were just a bunch of papers and statistics ought not to replace a proper expert's opinion. Which, by the way, when you're ICBC and you're like, hey, you know, it's all these nasty plaintiff's counsel calling way too many experts. experts is costing so much money. And then plaintiff's counsel's like, you know what? I'm going to skip an expert. I'm just going to introduce a public document to show this this fact 
at trial and rely on it for the truth of its contents. And ICBC is like, no, we should have more experts, more experts. I'm kind of worried. It's kind of like disingenuous. I'm, yeah, though. I'm kind of worried that this went ICBC's way. In fact, it did not. How? Because Section 29 of BC's Evidence Act, this is why you and I got bad grades in evidence, because... I was in Alberta, so I was dealing with the Alberta Evidence Act. <laughs> Section 29 of BC's Evidence Act says that you were allowed to introduce a public document. So a Government of Canada, Statistics Canada document that says, you know, this type of information... Well, um, I knew that. ...is admissible. I knew that. And it might not get much weight... At trial, of course, you know, admissibility and weight are two different things, but it's admissible, and he's entitled to rely on it. And then, you know, the the judge did say, to be very frank, I suspect that the information in question will achieve at most a very limited usefulness or weight. It is very broad, etc. Um, uh, however, I'm not able to say at this stage, at least, that these figures might not be of some assistance and have at least some weight so as to surmount the relatively low bar of relevance. Exactly. So... Admitted. Why not? And there you go, ICBC. There's your workaround. Stop blaming plaintiff's counsel when you're completely hypocritical about it in court. Yeah, um, that's uh, an upsetting thing that, uh, on the one hand, the government is perpetually complaining about that. And sure enough, somebody comes along with a cheaper option. Mm -hmm. And what do they do? They, they poo-poo that cheaper option. Mm -hmm. But they didn't succeed. So now the cheaper option is available. Yeah. The cheap option. We'll see. We'll see how well but that works. Establishing damages, uh, speculative damages in the future is just, to me, hocus pocus. And I still think it should be, there should be some sort of, some sort of formula that you can put in and then argue about whether or not the formula was appropriate. Sure. Anyway, it is now time, Paul, for our favorite moment of the week. <laughs> Ridiculous driver of the week. It is our favorite moment. We should have two. We should have this and maybe some other. No, you're giving it's me that so look. Hard. It's not I that do, hard. I do so much work to get ready for the podcast. Do you? Okay. Yeah. yeah I found these cases on Eric's blog. I went to Eric's blog and I read them. <laughs> and this week, so hard. Like, like I said, this week I was not prepared. So hard. But most of the time, I do a lot of work. I, know I find you do. cases, I read them, you know, I do Well, I mean, position. you're doing it all week long. You're up at six in the morning, five in the morning reading cases. That's your well, life. I'm up at two in the morning reading cases because I wake up and I can't fall back asleep. Um, I listen to forensic I get, files. I get lonely because my dog has gone to sleep on the couch. and. I listen to forensic files. Helps me fall back asleep. That guy's voice is so soothing. Now that I said I get lonely... Guaranteed, I'm going to get like five DMs with people offering to come and keep me company. Yeah. Creepy Stay out DMs. of my freaking DMs. All right. Uh, <laughs> I want my dog to keep me company. Unless you're a dog, don't DM me. Oh, wait. That doesn't work either. Okay. That's fine. Ridiculous driver of the week. <laughs> so, Vancouver, a close to home one. <laughs> Do you remember a couple of years ago when we had a trial in Masset and we rented a car and they were like, whatever you do, don't drive it on the beach? Yep, that was like the notice. Here is to sign the notice. You know now, whatever you do, don't drive it on the beach. And I was like, I knew why. And you said, why? And of course, they explained. People, A, drive it on the beach. 
it gets stuck in the sand, uh, and then the tide comes in. <laughs> and even if the tide doesn't come in, you have no way of getting it out of the sand. Nope. Yep, that one. This is also uh, it does damage. This is a, it can do quite a bit of damage. Yeah. But some very not intelligent person who didn't go to Masset and rent a car drove their Mercedes G wagon. What is that like? Quarter million bucks? They're expensive. Like I think one sixty or something. I don't know. May as well be a quarter million. Who's got that kind of money? Well, I mean, it looks like that one's been half of it's been been. Uh, gold plated so oh yeah it's got <laughs> extensive modifications you can find it in an article on ctv's website by jen st dennis um the g-wagon just drives down with a trailer with a sea on it so you know let's not make it even more likely to get something stuck in the sand um not drive... not to a boat launch onto nope. the beach onto the beach and surprise surprise they got stuck <laughs> People tried to get it out. It didn't get out. The tide started coming in. The, like the picture is great. It's like the G wagon with the water at like the back wheels. <laughs> uh -huh. And then a tow truck came, and the tow truck got stuck. Yep. So and then, then another, another tow truck, truck came. So you're talking like a fifteen hundred, two thousand dollar towing bill to get that G wagon out, but I think it's probably still worthwhile. Of course, you could have just left it there and made the insurance claim. Once it was destroyed, ICBC. It's at fault, but there's yeah. no injuries. So sure. So pay out your claim and your insurance rates will go up. Exactly. There's your dumpster fire right there. I drove my, I drove my G-Wagon to the beach and the tide came in and it floated away. <laughs> Screw you, taxpayer. Oh my God. I'm just like, how do you not think that through? I don't know. I don't know. But well, I mean, they have that warning in Masset, right? Yeah, but... Everybody who rents a car has to sign that warning, I think. I mean, I asked why you wouldn't drive it on the beach, but at the time, I never thought that anyone would drive on the beach. Like, I remember being a kid and trying to ride my bike on the beach. Well, I mean, in the in the last uh, Disney Cars film, they were driving on the beach, and you've, you know, seen people driving on the salt flats and, and things like that. Cars ride at Disneyland, you kind of go by a beach. Do you? A little bit. I don't think so. I want to go back. Yeah. Disneyland's closed. Disney World is open. And if you want to go back, you can go back there and get COVID-19. I already had it. Yeah. You could get it again. Well. Anywho, um, <laughs> driving on the beach. I mean, you know, if you're in a, uh, if it's, if it's the uh, 1974 and you've got a modified uh, Volkswagen bug turned into a dune buggy, go ahead. If you've got a, uh, a G-Wagon, which is basically the weight of a bus, um, don't drive it on the beach. So that is a ridiculous driver, and uh, they got to be uh, duly shamed, I guess. Well, at least we know, based on the vehicle they were driving, that they could afford the tow bill. That's true. So. Of course, they could be leasing it. The tow bill would be one lease payment. Probably like less than one lease payment. Maybe, yeah. Well, that's our podcast. Well, this is, uh, these these pandemic podcasts have been okay. They've been hard for me. Hard for you for. to come up with topics. Yeah, and this week I was not feeling it. So I'm sorry for to Eric for ripping off his blog. But I hope I've plugged you enough, Eric, that you forgive me. Yeah. Eric's a lovely guy. Anyway, thank you very much. And if you need to get in contact with us. 
Find us online at VancouverCriminalLaw.com or give us a call 604-685-8889 and tune in next week for another exciting episode of Driving Law. 